kids are, are almost out of the stage now that when they go to a birthday party, they get the party favor bag at the end. Right? The thing that says that the people who are, are throwing the party are thankful that you've come. So what they do is they give you a bag full of cheap toys. That for some reason your kids always love. And that you can't get rid of right away. But it isn't just a, a, those party favor bags aren't just something you see at, at a birthday party. In fact, at last year's Grammy Awards, the presenters and the performers at the Grammys received a, a gift bag of sorts. A little different than perhaps the one you received at a, at a birthday party. This one was valued at over $30,000 and included such things as a week at the Golden Door Spa. Circus training for your entire family. Several skin procedures, a, a custom acoustic guitar, a private mixology class, some of my favorites, a wireless pet feeder, gift cards, and this was the one that, that really sealed the deal for me, a rechargeable wireless eye massager. Nothing says thank you like a wireless rechargeable eye massager. Really, the, the point between both of those, whether you're talking about a $30,000 bag full of, of goodies that you might scratch your head at, head at or a, a cheap plastic bag given at the end of a birthday party full of things that are probably worth a, a few coins, the sentiment behind it's still the same, isn't it? I'm giving something to you for you to take home as a, a way to express my, my thankfulness and my appreciation for what you've done. You've come to my party. You've done something for me. And so I want to say thank you. Our Lord does the exact same thing for us each and every Sunday we gather here together. It isn't so much to say thank you or to show his appreciation for us showing up at church but rather he gives us something to take home as we leave his house as a way of encouraging and strengthening us for the week to come. And they're words that are, are so very familiar to us because they're words we hear almost every Sunday right before we walk out those doors. But maybe to fit them first just into the context of, of, of where they, they sit in the Bible. They come at the beginning of the book of Leviticus. Remember where Leviticus kind of fits in? In the book of Exodus, we find out at the very beginning that the Israelites are in Egypt, right? They're slaves in Egypt. And the rest of the book of Exodus really describes how God works a number of miracles in order to lead his people out of, out of Egypt, right? And he gets them to the foot of Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is where God is going to... Uh, to appear to his people in, in, the, in, a, in a special way and speak to Moses and create a, a new covenant with them. Right? A covenant. He's going to create a, a contract with them and that's in essence going to describe their relationship. He's going to say, I will be your God and what I want you to do is to obey these laws. And as you obey these laws, right, you're going to be showing your love for me. And as you obey them, I promise that I will be your God and, and do these things for you. So the book of Leviticus really begins to lay out what that covenant looks like. 
So in the beginning of Leviticus, you have God has, God has Moses count the number of Israelites, and we find out that there's 600,000 plus men of fighting age, so about 20 years or, or older. Right? He arranges those Israelites by tribe, and he, he, he singles out the Levites as the people that were going to be his priests, and he divides and gives them the different responsibilities they are going to have. And after organizing his people and by tribe and giving them different responsibilities, he kind of closes out that little section with these words from Numbers chapter 6. It's the very end of the chapter where he says, the, Now the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, Aaron and his sons were the priests, he says, Tell them, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. It's interesting to note or important to note the very first words we hear in our text. The Lord says... In other words, those words that we hear as we walk out of church, that the Israelites would hear again and again from Aaron and his sons and, and, and priest, the priests that followed them, weren't something that Moses or Aaron and his sons decided to come up with as a way to, to close a worship service or as a way to remind people of something God had said. No, this was the Lord. Right? The Lord, the, the, the Lord who had, de had described himself in the book of Exodus as the compassionate and gracious God, the one slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That compassionate and gracious God, the Lord, the one who now appeared to his people as that pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by the day, the one who was going to lead them from Mount Sinai to the promised land, the Lord, was the one who was behind this. Man, what an encouragement, huh? For the Israelites and for you and me to know that the one who stands behind the words of these blessings isn't just a human, isn't just a pastor, isn't just a, a priest for the Israelites. No, the one who stands behind it is the compassionate and gracious God. The Almighty God, with all power, who's able to, to make these promises and fulfill them. The compassionate and gracious God, the one who forgives us, who keeps us. And so he says to his people, he says to you and me, the Lord bless you and keep you. Really, as you, you look at those two verbs that are there in that sentence, he's really talking about all, first, all the blessings God gives us. Right? You can think of the Israelites as they're, they're sitting in the, in, in the desert around Mount Sinai. They had so much to be thankful for, right? Within the last three months, they had witnessed miracle after miracle of, of how God was going to free, how God had freed them from slavery and led them out of Egypt. They had seen for themselves God's enormous power as the waters of the Red Sea parted and they walked through on dry land. They had witnessed how God kept them and protected them from, 
of the Egyptian army as those same waters that had spread in the Red Sea then came crashing down on Pharaoh's army. Right, they were able to look around and see all the riches the Egyptians had given them and how God through that had blessed them. Right, you can think of our own lives, of all the different ways God has, has blessed us. Right, you can think of the clothes we have on our back and that the ones that are sitting in our closets, the food, the roof we have over our head. You can think of the, the magic of electricity where I'm able to plug something into a wall and lights turn on and food is kept cold in my refrigerator or heated in my oven. The air in my house is cooled so that I don't have to bear the, the heat and humidity of an Alabama summer. Right, and you can make a list that goes on and on and on of how the Lord has blessed me. And he's kept me too, hasn't he? How the Lord has protected us from danger. And even as toil and hardship come into our lives, he continues to take care of us, guarding and protecting and promising that even those toils and hardships and struggles that come into our life are going to be something that's ultimately for our good that he can turn even the worst of situations into a blessing for us. Man, what words of comfort and encouragement, huh? For, for the Old Testament priest to announce to God's people, for, for God to announce to us through our pastor, right, that as we leave God's house, this is the promise the Lord, that compassionate and gracious God is giving to you, that will continue to bless you that he'll keep you and guard you so that as you head into a new week, you have these promises of God. God's with me. He isn't going to abandon me. Instead, he's going to be with me and bless me and, and continue to guard and keep me this week. I wonder how long those words rung, though, in the years of the Israelites. Remember, they're sitting at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses, shortly after this, goes up onto Mount Sinai where God gives him the Ten Commandments, right? Then begins, begins to lay out for them the, the, the law, the things that God wanted them to do and not to do and how they were going to worship and how their society and their culture was going to work. And Moses doesn't come down for, for quite a while. Forty days, we're told, and the Israelites begin to scratch their head and wonder where God is and so finally they get to the point, well, Moses must have died, so let's build a new God. Right, and so they commission Aaron, the priest, to take their gold and form it into a golden cap. And when he does, he announces to the Israelites, here is the God who led you out of Egypt. So much for the Lord who blesses and keeps us, huh? In fact, you read just a little bit further, and in Leviticus 11 we hear, the people complained about their hardships, and when he heard them, when God heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them. We hear how Miriam and Aaron opposed Moses. We hear how a number of Israelites opposed Moses and rebelled against God. We hear how the Israelites not only complained but rebelled against God when they didn't have enough food, when they didn't have enough water. We, at one point, we hear how Moses rebelled against God, and he refused to, to do what God said, and instead of just speaking words, struck a rock in order to bring water out of it, because he was frustrated. 
and things didn't change even once the Israelites got into the promised land. They would complain. They would refuse to obey God's commands. They rebelled against God time and time and time again. That you look through the pages of the Old Testament Israelites' history and what you see is sin and sin and more sin despite the promises that God had given to them, despite the patience God showed them. But I suppose you and I are really no different, huh? Right, we, we look at our own lives, and what do we see? We complain about the blessings God gives, and we grumble about the blessings God doesn't give. We complain about the hardships and toils that God brings into our life. We begin to doubt God's love and his promise and his, the, the blessings and how God will keep us. We wonder how things can possibly turn out for our good. We rebel against God and we refuse to do the things that he tells us to do because, well, we know a little bit better. Right? We forego opportunities to hear and read and study God's word because, well, I've either heard it before or I really don't get anything out of it or, well, I'm just busy and have better things to do. Right? You, you look at the pages of our lives, and much like we saw in the pages of the Old Testament Israelites, what we see in our own lives is sin, and sin, and more sin. And for that, we would expect God, and God would have every right to simply turn his face away from us and be done with us. Because sin, and sinners... And a righteous God can't exist together. They're polar opposites. God knows this. He knew this about his people then. He knows it about his people now. So what does he say to his people? He says, The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. You can think of the look a mother gives to her child. Right? As she, as she holds him for the first time. Right? She, she looks at her child and, and there's, there's love that, that isn't just felt but, but expressed. Right? In the look she gives, the smile she has on her face. Right? It, it's a love that just radiates from her. That's the love our God has for us. Instead of turning his face away from us because of embarrassment and shame over our sins, instead he turns his face toward us in love and he shows us his grace. Right? He sees that long list of sin after sin and what he does is he, he chooses to do something about it by, by coming to earth himself. And so God the Son comes and in love pays the penalty for our sin. He, he shows that he is a compassionate and, and gracious God who doesn't deal with us as our sins deserve, but rather chooses to deal with us in his love. A love that caused him to take the penalty for our sins upon himself so that he could look at us in love and say, you're forgiven. Every last one of those sins 
that you have done, all the guilt that piles up on your shoulders because of those sins, all of it is taken away and paid for by your Savior. That compassionate and gracious God shows that love for us as he turns his face toward us and assures us that not only are we his children, but that in love he's forgiven us. Man, think of the comfort and encouragement that would serve and be for the, for the Israelites, huh? For all those times when they would recognize in their own lives, I've sinned, I've fallen short of what God has, has, has called me to be. And in spite of the fact that I am a sinner, God is gracious to me. And they would look forward and they would and, and see and, and be reminded of that promise of a Savior how God had told them to worship and what they would see is picture after picture of a Savior who was going to come and forgive them. Man, what comfort and encouragement for you and I as we walk out the door to have one of the last things we hear from our God at, at worship be, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Because what do we know about the week coming up? It's going to be full of sin. Because I have a sinful nature, that sinful nature is going to show itself in untold number of ways. And so my God, as he's leaving, reminds me of who he is and what he's done. So that when I sin, and when that guilt begins to pile up, I turn back to my Savior. And I hear from him those gracious words of, Despite your sin, in spite of who you are, while you were still sinners, you have a Savior who died for you. A Savior who forgives you. A Savior who looks on you in love. Then he goes on. The Lord, Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I, I'm sure you've had the experience, right? If, if you're trying to get the attention of someone, you call out their name. And what do they do? They turn and look towards you, right? In essence, that's what God's telling, right? The Lord is going to turn his face toward us. He's going to give us his, his full attention and give us peace. Man, you think about that for the coming week? Not only do I know about sin... But I think of just all the turmoil and anxiety and worry that's going to fill my, my life, fill my thoughts over the next seven days. All the things that are going to ultimately try to drive peace from my heart. And so God told his people, I'm going to turn my face toward you. I'm going to give you my full attention. And I'm going to give you peace. Because you begin to think about the promises God has given to us. And really, what do I need to worry about? I can think about my sin and its guilt, but while well, we've just heard, God's taken care of that, right? He's forgiven my sin. He's called me to be his child. And he's going to take care of me because, well, the Lord is going to bless and keep me. So now I begin to think through all of the different situations and, and, and things that are going to come up in my life. All the things that are going to bring anxiety and turmoil and threaten to bring worry into my life. And Well, if I have a, a, 
a God who blesses and keeps me, who guards me, who promises to take those things and work them out for my good. A God who, who, who smiles on me with his love and, and is forgiving me. Well, really, even in the most tumultuous and anxiety-filled moments, as a child of God, I'll have peace, won't I? Because I'm forgiven. Because I have a God who in love promises that he's going to take every situation I find myself in in life and work it out for my good. Because I have a God who's, who's powerful and, is gonna, and has promised to guard and keep me and protect me. A God who, even in the worst of situations, is there with me, assuring me of his love and giving me peace. Man, what, what encouragement, what, what blessing our God gives his people, huh? He gives us something to take home. And it isn't just a, well, a, a cheap plastic bag full of toys. In fact, he, he makes, his, his promises make a, a $30,000 bag full of stuff look like a cheap plastic bag full of toys. We have a God who gives us something to take home every week. He promises to bless us and keep us. He promises to make his face shine on us in his love and to be gracious to us as he reminds us of our forgiveness. He promises to turn his face toward us and give us peace. Man, three promises in which we hear a hint of the Trinity, huh? A father who guards and protects us. A son, our brother, who in grace forgives us. A, a spirit who brings us to faith and gives us the peace of a triune God. Blessings that our God sends home with us. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.